And welcome back. It is time here on this Thursday. We always visit with him on Thursdays. He's the health correspondent here on Wobble's Health Call Update. It's our own Lee Kelso. Lee, good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, good afternoon, Pat. I've got a couple of things to brief you on today, a couple of the top stories of the week. And one of them, I think, is really significant, and it comes from the American Medical Association, saying insurance companies need to rethink how they're treating those new weight loss drugs. Well, I will tell you, somebody who has used different weight weight loss uh, drugs, some injectables, some otherwise, yeah, there's not always been a whole lot of, of embrace from the insurance industry. Does AMA think that they have some hooks that could make insurance relook at all this or should look at all this? Yeah, there's, there was a significant development uh, that kind of goes in correlation with why the on, on Monday the American Medical Association passed a resolution saying insurance companies need to lift all the restrictions and cover these drugs because they are effective at treating one of the most serious health threats the country faces, and that's obesity. Yeah. And uh, part of the reason was uh, the American Heart Association just published a study that said people on these drugs have a 20% lower rate of cardiac events. So not only are you losing weight, but your risk of heart attack, stroke, and other things goes down when you're on these drugs. And so the American Medical Association is saying, okay, uh, everybody out of the pool. We, yeah. <laughs> this is so significant. We, we need to rethink this. And what's happening, Pat, is insurance companies are either putting lifetime caps or they're, they're making it very difficult to get these drugs because they're so expensive. And even though long-term you're going to have a much improved health outcome and your total cost of health care will be less, the insurance companies know you're only going to be on their program for three to five years. So they're not going to have you long enough to see those benefits. So why should they spend the money? Well, that's not a good way to think about health care. No, it's it's not. And, um, you know, and I don't know the numbers, but let's just say let's say for a year's worth of uh, drug treatment uh, to help me with weight loss, let's let's call it a thousand dollars. And they'd say, well, well you know, I just like twelve thousand dollars. It's about a thousand dollars a month for these drugs. Is it really? Yeah. Is that why I'm still fat or is that? <laughs> but but and not everybody that would be taking these drugs uh, could uh, avoid a heart difficulty. But a heart difficulty, depending upon what it is, could be so much higher than that, um, and, and really affect uh, the overall health of the country. Absolutely. And so imagine, you know, we have the obesity rate in the state of Indiana is thirty-seven percent. And so, you know, almost 40% of us are not just overweight, we're clinically obese. Mm -hmm. And if if you're in that situation at age 30, you've got 30 years of stress on your body that's going to cause, you know, any number of problems, increased risk of cancer and diabetes. You know the list, it just goes on. And so, yeah, if we've got effective medications that can treat that, why are we letting dollars and cents get so much in the way. We just need to figure that out. And there's a new drug that was just approved by the FDA. It's made by Eli Lilly, which is, of course, a, an Indianapolis-based company. Right. It's called Zepbound, and it's even more effective than the other drugs, Wagovi, that are out there. And so, you know, the big question now is, if I lose even more weight, does my risk of heart attack and other incidents go down? 
So the science is all rolling in this direction, and it'll be fascinating to see once Congress feels the pressure. You know, the AMA's got a lot, got a big voice. So we'll see what happens. You know, um, let me ask you this, and this is all conjecture, uh, but um, if, in fact, you have a drug like ZepBound from from Eli Lilly um, and they come out with it and it's it's been approved by the FDA, then obviously somebody says there is legitimacy to this drug. Then can the AMA, does that give them more strength uh, to go back to the insurance companies and say, okay, so let me get this straight. Uh, one of the main problems that we have in this country is heart disease, and you are officially coming out and saying you're not going to approve an FDA-approved drug for heart disease? Yeah, that's a that's a challenge. And what they do is uh, the, the insurance companies will tell doctors, you, your doctor will prescribe this drug, and you can have it if you can pay for it. Right. But uh, over $1,000 a month, that's difficult. So... Um, what the insurance companies have done is said, here are the standards under which we will cover this drug. So let's say you're diabetic and you're overweight and you are, go on these drugs and now your blood sugar level comes down enough to where you're technically no longer diabetic. Mm-hmm. Well, too bad. We're not paying for that drug anymore because beyond that, they claim it's cosmetic weight loss that you're achieving. But, again, with the heart uh, disease reduction and the AMA coming out and saying, no, there's long-term health benefits to getting your weight under control. So, yeah, it, it'll be a big fight. And, you know, the drug company spent bajillions of dollars getting these drugs approved. And, you know, if you don't, there's no opportunity for return, are we going to see new medications? And, you know, some people are saying that what we need to do is go back and say, why is it so, why do we make it so hard to get these drugs approved? Why, what can the FDA do in our process streamline so that we don't spend as much money to bring a drug to market? Is that going to help fix the problem? Hmm. Now, every dog chases the tail, and that's kind of what we're at. Just, just so I can put in into Pat Miller understanding terms, which is marking it down quite a bit, uh, on what you just said. So if there is a drug that you're taking to lose weight, but you fall beyond the line of obesity. You've been very good with the drug. The drug's been very good to you. You're no longer obese. You're just now moderately overweight. That the drug companies can then at that point and go, now that you're no longer obese and we don't think you are as high risk as you were, we're, not, we're no longer going to pay for those prescriptions. Is that what you said? Yes, there are standards. And it's typically not just weight. It's typically related to blood sugar has been the marker that the drug companies have used to say, if we're going to pay for this drug, you have to be diabetic and uncontrolled diabetes. You have to go through all the other medications, and make. And if those can't get your diabetes under control, uh, then we'll, we'll pay for these drugs or something similar to that. They're all kind of different policies. Yeah. Just because your doctor says it will help and prescribes it doesn't mean the insurance company has to pay for it. And so that's where that whole mess has come up with, okay, your, your blood sugar has dropped and you've lost weight. Great. There's more to go, but now you're going to have to pay for it out of pocket. Ugh. And, of course, at $1,000 a month, that's just so difficult for people to do. Well, and then that will affect the other topic this week, <laughs> blood pressure. Uh, so <laughs> if all once you have to start paying off for this yourself, that will make your blood pressure go right up. And you're going to be talking exactly. about the fact that maybe controlling blood pressure might actually reduce dementia. Yeah, this is real interesting. This is a study out of China, and they took uh, over 30,000 people and for four years 
followed them as they worked hard to get everybody's blood pressure down below 130. And so, again, uh, and, and once they did that, and then they followed the people after they got their blood pressure under control, they saw a 16% reduction in onset of dementia. So they're, there's, they've known for some time that high blood pressure uh, causes damage to your vascular system, which contributes to dementia. And so this is the, uh, the first study that, sh- that set out to find out, okay, if we get blood pressure under control, does it really affect and reduce dementia? And in this study, the evidence is that it does. Huh. So, th- so in this whole attack on the vascular system, uh, basically, if it's affecting blood flow, well, guess what? It affects blood flow to the brain also, and maybe even first. And so then that's probably what's leading to more dementia in a lot of people? Yes, could be a factor, certainly, yep. Wow. And they've, they've known for some time that, that chronic high blood pressure uh, increases your risk of, of course, not only stroke and all those other conditions, but also dementia and Alzheimer's. And the key thing here is they, they took a number of 130. So, you know, express blood pressure as 130 over 80 or whatever those numbers might be for you. Right. That upper number is the pressure in your system, in your arteries, when your heart beats. And so the higher, when your heart beats, the harder it has to work to fight through that pressure um, is what causes some of the heart damage problems. And so they're saying, let's look at everything we can do to get blood pressure below that 130 marker. And that was, that was the trigger that they thought was going to be able to create a reduction in dementia. So, you know, I don't know how many people do this all the time. I'm, you know, me, I'm a big old nerd. <laughs> I have a blood pressure cuff at home that I use all the time. And just keep an eye on things. And, um, you know, there's so many things we can all do to be aware of and, and reduce our blood pressure. But you got to know it because, you know, Pat, you've experienced it. You've had high blood pressure with no symptoms at all, right? Right. Exactly right. Yeah. In, in fact, one time during a choir rehearsal when I, when I actually collapsed, it was the first time I knew I had high blood pressure. It was also the first time I knew I had high blood sugar. So both mm-hmm. of them came to visit me at the same time. And, and that, that's a, a visit I didn't look forward to. Yeah, that's a tough ride. It is. So, yeah, you know, it's a good idea to uh, once a month, uh, you know, the home blood pressure cuffs, you can buy them at Walmart, lots of places for like 40 bucks, and, and just, you know, check it yeah. uh, occasionally and just know. Uh, we had some guests over at my house. This is how much fun it is to come to my house. <laughs> uh, and we were kind of sitting around chatting, and I pulled out the blood pressure cuff and tested a couple of the guests, and they were 157. Oh, yeah. And had no idea, and that's a level in which doctors are going to put you on medication. Yeah, well, I at my, at my last doc, doctor visit, I went from about 132 over 80 down to 120 over 70. And oh. even though that doesn't sound like a whole lot, my doctor said the difference between those two is pretty dramatic. That is huge, yes. So 120 is a great number. That's yeah. a super target to but, have. And I wasn't even studying. I mean, I just... <laughs> <laughs> you passed that test without trying. I came right out with that. So listen, this is really interesting. When you find out more about this stuff, will you promise that next week when we get together that you'll rattle my chain again and we'll come back and visit all this? I would love to. I'd love to hang out with you every Thursday afternoon. We like it too. Thanks so much, Lee. Adios. Podcasts by Federated Media.